Happy New Year. Ah, fantastic, yeah. Well, uh, I hope you had a wonderful holiday season, a great Christmas, a great Christmas Eve, and a wonderful New Year. Uh, you're probably like me and my family. We could define it as saying it was good, it was restful, it was pretty quiet compared to usual, and it was safe. Hopefully you can say the same thing. But I got a question for you. Are you glad 2020 is over? Yes, if you're online, feel free to type your thoughts on that question as well. But yeah, it's a pretty common sentiment that we're glad 2020 is over. And I can join you in that because I know that we've all faced many challenges if we look at the year that was. Uh, but hopefully as you look back, you find that it wasn't all bad. You know, I, I took some time to reflect upon everything that transpired in 2020. And obviously, there's the obvious things of the pandemic and challenges around leading the church through a new season in light of that. But, but I also took time to make sure I thought of some of, the, some of the benefits, some of the positive things that happened as well. And, and I can't share the whole list with you for the sake of time. That would turn into a sermon and a half upon its own. But, uh, but maybe there's some things that you can relate to where in the midst of challenges, we had this ability to, to press on in our own lives, but also in the lives of our church. We found new ways and new means by which we can advance people's spiritual formation and, and get the good news of Jesus out to the world through West Meadows at home, uh, through what we've done on-site and online. We've also seen dozens of people take steps of faith, in some cases first-time steps, first-time professions of faith in Jesus Christ. Other people indicated online and in person here that they were releasing parts of their lives that had at one point been kind of held by themselves, releasing those to the power of Christ. People were growing in faith and relationship with him. So a lot of great ministry still happened in the midst of 2020. And we can see in so many ways that God has provided and guided us through that year. And then personally, 2020 obviously is the year that will go down in history as being the year of COVID. But on the other side of that, on the positive side, it will also be the year that my family received the gift of our granddaughter, Lydia. There's a mixture of things that happened last year. They, they say, what do they say? Hindsight is 2020. We can say that all year. It's the first of the dad jokes. I only have a couple of those today. Hindsight is 2020, we can say all year. But here's another one for you. But I'm still not comfortable saying 2021 yet. Why? Because 2020 did not win. Uh, yeah, that one takes a second. That's a thinker. 2020 did not win. We can't say 2021 because here we are. We overcame, we grew, we learned, and we advanced. And so we still may not be comfortable saying 2021, but we do start off 2021. As I look at different people's social media posts and, and, and talk to people in different ways, I hear them doing reflections as well. And some of these reflections are about the trials they faced and, and things that they had endured and overcome and how they had learned and grown over the past year. And then as I was considering, what are we going to talk about? What are we going to learn about as we start this year? There's one word that came to mind that takes all of that into account. And it's the word you see on the screen behind me. The word is resilient. You see, resiliency is this ability to withstand. This ability to recover quickly from difficult situations. When, when challenges rise up, we might bend, but we do not break. 
when we find ourselves between a rock and a hard place, as we see on the image on the screen, we find ourselves between a rock and a hard place. Do we wither away and die, or do we choose to move forward, to grow, and to flourish? Resiliency. And so for the next few weeks, we're going to look at the story. We're going to look at the life of what I believe is one of the most resilient characters in the Bible. A guy by the name of Joseph. And not the New Testament father of Jesus, Joseph. No, the Old Testament book of Genesis, Joseph. And as we look at his story, we're going to see what it looks like to be resilient. First of all, in the face of adversity. When events and people around us kind of come against us. What it looks like to be resilient when we encounter temptation that seeks to enslave us. Resiliency when we experience discouragement when those that we are counting on fail us. Resiliency when we have opportunities for promotion, but they bring with them their own set of challenges and criticisms. And then finally, resiliency when we have the opportunity to choose between offering revenge or blessing upon those who have harmed us. This is the story of Joseph, who is resilient, a resilient man of great faith and integrity. He had challenges that few people will ever have to endure, and he overcame them. And as we're going to see, his resiliency, however, wasn't found in his own strength. It wasn't found in his own ability. No, see, it was found in his faith in God, but more importantly, it was found in his faith in God who is always faithful to him. It's always faithful to him. And I'm hoping that we can learn some of the same lessons that Joseph demonstrates for us in the book of Genesis. I'm really looking forward to this series. Are you as well? Fantastic. I think it's going to be a wonderful time of learning and growing as we start off this particular year. And in the weeks ahead, we're going to look at some of these specific details and, and accounts that happened to him in his life. But to begin the year and to begin the series, I want to do something different, okay? Something we've never done in the last, you know, four and a half years that I've been here as the lead pastor. I, I want to provide an opportunity for us to reflect upon God's faithfulness from the past and an opportunity for us to center ourselves upon his faithfulness for the days ahead. You see, because in the midst of, of difficulties and challenges that all of us have on our minds, it's sometimes hard to see God's fingerprints. It's hard to see how he was guiding us and providing for us and protecting us. But, but then we get beyond that a bit and we have a chance for reflection. And quite often it's when we look back in the rearview mirror, when we reflect back a little bit, more pieces of the story are available to us. We can see the outcomes, events that were eluding us in the moment when we first encountered them, and, and we can see how much we truly have overcome. And it's in those moments that we can find that God was faithful to us and to his promises to us, and that can be a great source of strength, and that strength can be a source of resiliency. So I invite you to join me in an exercise of doing that. I invite you to join me to dedicate really the bulk of the teaching time that I have today to a time of reflection and prayer. As we start off this year with prayer. Now there was a time when I sat down in the pews where you are, or I sat on my couch, maybe you're in bed still at home. And when I heard the guy up on the platform say, we're going to spend time in prayer, my first thought was, I'm out. I'm checking out. 
I'm done. But before you do that, if you're like me, when I I used to be there, before you check out, let me make you a promise. I'm not going to ask you to do anything uncomfortable. I'm simply going to invite you to participate with me. And here's how it's going to work. I'm going to introduce a theme to us and briefly explain it with a little bit of scripture. And then I'm going to provide space, about, about two minutes, for us all quietly where we are to pray. Now, if you're sitting in a pew, if you're at home, and you're comfortable with this idea of prayer, I invite you to, to join together and pray with other people. And even to pray out loud if you're comfortable with that. I know there's others that, that, are, that are familiar with prayer and comfortable with prayer. But, but more of the, sort of the quiet reflection in your own heart. And just praying quietly yourself. If that's you, that's perfectly okay as well. And I know there are some other people who, who may not be you know, totally sure about God yet. Who are still watching because you're curious. You, you may not be sure about the difference Jesus can make in your life. And, and you're curious and growing in that. And if that's the case where you are, then prayer might be an awkward or an odd thing for you. If that's where you find yourself, I invite you to participate as well in, in one of two ways. Either one, to, to try having a conversation with God, perhaps. But if that's a step too far, even to just sit quietly and reflect upon the year that was. And ask yourself this question as you reflect. If there really is a God, where can you see his fingerprints on your life last year? And just see where that might lead you to a new understanding of his presence and his call upon you in your life. And then after we have a few minutes of just quietly praying ourselves, I'm going to pray and close that section before we move on to a next one. And we're going to do four of these, okay? So I'm going to introduce it. We're going to give space for everyone to pray, and then I'm going to close that section of prayer and move on to the next one. We're going to do that four times, and then I'll wrap up our message today. So as we begin, I invite you to get comfortable, take a breath, to quiet your hearts and quiet your minds, and join me on this journey of reflection and of seeking our faithful God. And as we begin, I want to start by praying for ourselves. Now, some of us may wrestle with this. We may resist this idea of praying for ourselves more. Is it really okay to pray for ourselves? And and I understand that question because it can be sometimes inappropriate, even dangerous. When our prayers are limited to things, you know, things such as, you know, I want, give me, do for me. But that's not what I'm asking you to reflect upon here. You see, we see examples in Scripture where people prayed for themselves and they reached out to God. Daniel, we learned about Daniel in the fall when when people were plotting against him. He prayed, Lord, help me. King David, when he committed the sin of adultery, we see in Psalm 51, he prayed, Lord, forgive me. And even Jesus himself in the most difficult and trying time of his life in the Garden of Gethsemane, he prayed, Lord, strengthen me. And so we start by praying for ourselves that essentially that we would let go of ourselves. And that we would trust not in our own strength, our own abilities, our own plans, but instead we would look to the one who is able. The one who is able to help, to forgive, and to strengthen. And that we would commit ourselves to resiliently walk in faith with him in the year ahead. Psalm 62 verses 1 and 2 says this. It says, truly my soul finds rest in God. My salvation comes from him. Truly, he is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will not be shaken. So with that in mind, let us pray to the one in whom we find help 
forgiveness and strength. Let us pray. Lord, when we read this passage, we're reminded that when the world overwhelms, you are our rest. Then when we feel defeated by our sinful past choices and the things that just haunt us from the past, that you are our salvation. That when it feels like we can't go on, you are our rock. You are the one in whom we will not be shaken. So Lord, as we start this journey of prayer, not just today, but God, as we start this journey with you, this year. I want to thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness to us in this past year. As we place our trust in you for these moments ahead and for the days that are ahead. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. As we continue in this time of prayer, we move our focus from beyond ourselves to invite you to think of those of whom we're in relationship with. You know, we were created for relationship. It's one of God's provisions to us. He gives us people that that can encourage us and help us and even correct us as we go through this journey of life. And and it's with these people quite often that keeps us that when we bend, but we do not break. And really, as we talk about relationships, it's anyone upon whom you have the opportunity to impact and influence, for better or worse, and vice versa upon you. This could be friends, family. It could be your church family. People in your community, your, your neighbors, people that you're on teams with, you work with, you go to school with, anybody who you have an opportunity to impact or influence and vice versa. And so as we've just prayed, it's critical that we begin with this solid relationship with God. 
But then Jesus explained that, that while that is the greatest relationship, the most important relationship we can have, the primary relationship, that that is to be lived out in relationship with others. And he explained it this way in the greatest commandment in Mark chapter 12, where he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. But the second commandment is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these, and they are related. And so as we now take a moment to reflect, I invite you to consider who God has brought into your life. It may be a family of children, of grandparents, of parents, of a spouse. How are they a provision to you? Or how are you a provision to them? Maybe it's mutual. I invite you to consider who can you thank him for, for the healthy relationships he's given you, where you have the opportunity to reveal the grace, truth, and love of Jesus. Who is it in your life that perhaps you need to be open to seek forgiveness from? Maybe there's somebody you've been withholding forgiveness from. Or even yet, is there somebody God has entrusted to you that he wants you to be the one to share the good news of Jesus with? Who is that person you could share the good news of hope? Maybe it could be as simple as inviting them to Alpha. And so let's take a moment to pray about these things. Let's pray for our relationships. That as we weave Jesus into our lives, others may encounter him through us. as we're praying, we're in the midst of community. Our prayers are a symbol of our community with you, Lord, that we can communicate and talk with you. That you welcome us into your presence. Lord, I pray that that would just be a blessing to our hearts. 
reminder that you're with us in all things, that you welcome us to bring to you all things. God, as we pray, we're also in communion with one another. As we, as we look across the sanctuary, as the many people and families represented here, as, as those who are at home right now watching online, uh, most likely in rooms with other people. God, these are the people you've blessed us with. It's not always easy. It has challenges. But God, I pray that we would see these people, these relationships, as the opportunities you give us, the provision you give us, to learn what grace looks like, to learn what it means to sharpen one another, to learn what it means to uplift one another, to encourage us. But God, I pray that we would also be reminded of those you brought into our lives where, where it's not just about how it benefits us, but how we can share your love, how we can share your truth with a world that does not know you. God, thank you that you loved us first and invite us into a relationship with you. Help us, Lord, to love you with all of our hearts, our soul, our mind, and our strength. And then to live this out in relationship with those you've given to us. And also, Lord, to be mindful of those in whom we have the opportunity, the privilege, and the responsibility to invite to come to know you. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Well, as we move even a little further beyond our relationships, I want to invite us to pray next for our nation and for our leaders. Now, these are quite often people that we don't have a personal relationship with, and yet the decisions that they make definitely impact us. And this has never been truer than the past year we've just come through in 2020. I don't think there's been a situation in the last couple of generations that has such an impact upon so many people and there were so many leaders who were trying to make decisions, and there is no playbook. There is no, there is no manual on how to lead through such challenging times. I'm not sure how often you pray for our leaders, for these people, but it is an important thing for us to remember on a regular basis. Because I don't think we fully understand the weight, the burdens that leaders carry at times. As we think of this past year, how many of our, of our business, regional, and political leaders have had to make decisions that affected health? and social crisis, employment issues, and finding balance between safety and freedom. Whether it's pastors or business owners or, or, or people in, in political office, they've never had to lead through these things before, and yet they are called to do so. And in the midst of all that, all the other responsibilities and challenges don't go away. They just get more challenging. We need to pray for our leaders. We need to pray for our nation. And, and it's in the same vein and in the same sentiment as, as Paul talked to his young protege, Timothy, in the churches that he was leading. When he said in 1 Timothy 2, I urge that petitions and prayers and intercession of thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in godliness and holiness. Let's pray for our leaders. Remind ourselves that they're human. They make mistakes. We may not always agree with them, but we can pray for them. And we can pray that they would be strong and that they would be humble. And that through that humble strength that can be found in God, that we would all be resilient. Let's pray.
Lord, we pray for our leaders. We do so by having hearts of thanksgiving. Thankfulness that you've given this wonderful city, this beautiful province, this absolutely fantastic nation that you've put us in. God, we don't always understand the, the pressures and, and the challenges of, of leading in these different environments. We know sometimes the criticisms. We don't know the pressures and all the factors at times. We, we never want to assume that any of our leaders are perfect or make the right decision all the time, but God, we pray for them. We pray that they would have hearts that, God, if they know you as a personal Savior, that they would constantly turn to you with prayer. Lord, if they don't, that they'd be surrounded by people who would speak truth into their lives and, and lead them to understand the guidance and, and the plan that you have for each person and for each nation. God, I pray that our resiliency, that their resiliency would be found in you. God, help us to be good witnesses in our civic duties, to uplift our leaders in prayer regularly, to question them when appropriate, but to do so with kindness and compassion that, Lord, that your voice and your will would never cease to have influence among our leaders and our nation and the decisions that they make. We pray this in your name. Amen. Well, as we come to the final of these four sections, we've kind of prayed broadly and diversely across different areas within our lives, but there's one even bigger as we look beyond our borders, and that is the world around us. As we think and pray for our world, it can often feel kind of distant and disconnected from these other places and these other people. It's, it's foreign to us. Our only connection at times is what we see on the news, and, and that's quite often not always positive. We, we hear of wars and famines, of, of persecutions and tragedies, of economic breakdowns and failures. Sometimes we also learn about these places beyond our borders from missionaries who come home and share stories of what they and God are doing in these distant regions. But even if it's not familiar to us, I, I think there's a sentiment that is. And it's the fact that we know that God's love is for all people. God's love is for all nations. And there is a day when we stand before him where all peoples and all nations will sing in one voice and give praise to him. And that's God's mission that he's given to us, that he shares with us. is to, is to go forth and declare his good news, the news of his love to all people. So we're familiar with that in terms of the Great Commission, spoken by Jesus to, to go and make disciples of all people. But did you know that that actually shows up in the Old Testament as well? That, that it's been God's desire from the very beginning that all nations would come to know him. And for example, we see this in Isaiah 56 where, where through the prophet Isaiah, God says, I will bring them, I will bring the nations to my holy mountain and I will give them joy in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and sacrifices will be accepted on my altar, for my house will be called a house of prayer. For who? For all nations. And as much as we need resiliency in our lives and the trials that we face, I promise you folks that in the lands beyond us, the need is even greater in different places of this world. And so let us pray for the world beyond, the one that we live in. Pray for those unreached people groups, that the gospel would reach them. Pray that those who are living in the midst of war and persecution and violence, that, uh, that the light of Christ would pierce the darkness of these lands. Let us pray for the advancement of God's gospel to these places and for the transformation that can happen when he comes into a life and into a land.
we know that you love and that you seek all people and all nations. That you're drawing all people unto yourself. God, when we speak about the need for resiliency, we know that the level we experience here is, is sometimes unlike what's needed in other regions. God, I pray that in these weeks ahead as we learn from the example of Joseph, that while we sometimes feel like we have strength, uh, we have ability, we, we have good God-honoring plans, that our primary faith would not be in ourselves, Lord, but as Joseph demonstrates for us in this steady assurance that you are faithful. Assurance of your faithfulness, Lord. I pray that when we need that, that the people around the world who need that would have the opportunity to experience it through this faithful commitment of being witnesses of your good news, Lord. God, may we either be those who are committed to going or descending to the world, that your kingdom may come and that your will would be done on every nation on earth. Well, as we've gone through these four sections, it, it, I know it's different. It's unfamiliar to some of us, but, but I do hope that in these moments of reflection and prayer, we feel like we're getting off on the right foot as we start this year. And that you'll remember these different areas of focus and prayer, perhaps in your own prayer time in the days ahead. But before we're done, I want to just draw us back to the original purpose for doing this. The original purpose that I wanted us to do this is because... We need to focus upon God, who is the source of resiliency. Now, as we were praying, we were praying for ourselves and our relationships and our nation and our leaders and our world. But, but as we're going to see in the story of Joseph in the weeks ahead, and as we'll see in our own lives in the days of the year ahead, he is the center. He is the author, the sustainer, the provider, and the protector. It's actually all about him. Now we have a role to play and we have a part in the story, but it's his story and it's about him. You can think of it this way, for example. As a lot of us know, at the heart of our solar system is the sun, right? This big, giant, flaming ball of gas. And it has this incredible gravitational pull that holds our entire solar system together. From the biggest planet to the smallest piece of debris, all of it is caught in the sun's orbit. Including the earth, which has even more effects upon it. Where, where the sun's impact upon the earth in which we live is the sun drives our seasons. It, it affects our ocean currents, our climates. It even provides us the beauty of northern lights. There is no greater force in our solar system than the pull of the sun. And nothing escapes it. But as great and powerful as it is, it's impersonable. What does that mean? It means it simply does what it does because that's what it was created to do. But I want to ask you to consider another son. The son of God. Jesus Christ. Who also has a power that he came to reveal. But he also came to reveal the majesty of God. Which we read about in Colossians chapter 1 where Paul says, For in him... All things were created, things in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. 
You see, just as the sun exerts this incredible force upon everything in our solar system, so too the Son of God holds all things together. But here's the big difference. As great and powerful as our, as our, our sun that's in the sky is, it is simply created, and there's a greater power in the creator. But not only is there a greater power, he's personal. He's not impersonal, just doing what he does, like a, like a watch that's been created to just perpetually run. No, he's personable because he is the one who has the ability to draw all people unto himself and to reveal to us that there's more to life than this world has to offer. He is the one who can take the emptiness, the shame, and the guilt of our lives in the past and replace it with the joy of freedom. He is the one who can walk with you through every single trial and in whom we can say we are resilient. Because he is the true light. He is the light that pierces the darkness when we have trials and struggles. And he is the one who provides new life to all who would choose to receive him. See, in John chapter 8, verse 12, Jesus says it this way. He says, I am the light of the world. All of us can understand what that metaphor is because we all know what it looks like to, to look up into the sky and see the light. But Jesus says, no, no, there's another greater sun. He says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me, whoever walks with me, will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. That's what I wanted to draw our attention to as we start this series, as we start this year. And as we've done today through prayer, I now want to finally, before we're done, give us the opportunity to affirm Jesus at the center of our lives through action as well as we move to a time of communion. Now, as we were praying, if you're a person who does not have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, I thank you for coming on this journey of prayer with us today. But as you were doing so, you may have felt like there was something missing, like there was this perhaps a void or, or an emptiness in the words and the reflections that you were sharing. And the reality is this, is that we were made for relationship with God. And without him, we're going to feel like there is a peace missing at all times. And that peace, because of that separation that we feel is the result of the sin in our lives. The, the things that we've done that violate God's commands, that are contrary to his will. The, the ways that we've wronged him and hurt others. Sin creates this separation. It creates this void that we feel at times. It's a void that we can't overcome on our own. We need a Savior. We need Jesus who stood in the void, who gave his life to pay the price for the sins that we committed and, and made that sacrifice for us. And that's what this table is about. We have two elements on the table before us. We have the bread, which is symbolic of the body into which Jesus was born that we just worshipped and reminded ourselves of at Christmas. But it's also the body in which he lived and struggled but overcame and ultimately offered in our place. The other element on the table is the cup, symbolic of the blood that he shed as he gave his life. That through the offering of his life, that through his death, we would receive life, the great exchange that took place in our lives spiritually. That we could be forgiven because he made the way through paying the price, through the giving and the shedding of his life and his blood. That's what these elements are about. Our, our part, our part is to believe. 
to believe in our hearts that that is indeed the case, that that is indeed sufficient, that Jesus was the Son of God who came to live and ultimately to die upon the cross for our sins, but then rose victorious, having defeated sin, death, and the grave, and offers salvation to all of us. Our part is to believe that. And to confess it with our mouths as well. To confess that Jesus is Lord, which basically means to confess that Jesus, I accept that, I believe that, and I choose to live in the new life defined by that. With you as the author of my choices, of my decisions, of my actions, and of my days. Now folks, I don't know what 2021 holds in store for any of us, but I do know this. I do know that you need to be sure you're going through it with Jesus. And so I invite you to pray with me as we prepare ourselves to receive these elements. And and perhaps you're at a point where you need to pray a prayer of thanksgiving and thankfulness to Jesus for dying for your sins and to receive him into your heart. Perhaps you need to confess that you have wandered over the past year And you now need to return as we start this new year. Let us take time to pray right now. and Prepare our hearts. And if you are one of those who needs to accept Christ, perhaps for the first time in your life, or if you need to confess that you are returning to Christ, I invite you to come speak with me after the service. Or if you're watching online, to to click on the box that says, I raise my hand and give my life to Christ and talk to somebody online who can walk with you towards new life with Jesus. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for Jesus whose sacrifice is revealed on these elements on the table before us. God, for those who are listening right now who who have never accepted Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, God, in these moments right now, that the spirit among us that that is guiding, that is spoken during our time of prayer, God, I believe that can convict right now that those who do not have a relationship with you, that they would respond and say, yes, in this moment, that they want to go through 2021 and every day beyond with you. And that those people would pray with me and say, thank you, Jesus, for dying for my sins. I believe that your sacrifice was sufficient. I believe that you defeated sin and that that is shown through your resurrection and that you are alive today and available to guide me all the days of my life. As you gave your life for me, I now give you mine. And then for those of us, Lord, who have prayed that at some point in the past and are striving to live it out in our lives, as we come to receive these elements as this regular reminder of the means by which we have a relationship with you, God, I pray that we would just take this moment during this song right now to prepare our hearts, to confess whatever we need to confess, to commit whatever we need to commit, and to start this year with you center.